Welcome to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd. My co-host is going to be here momentarily. Canucks insider Thomas Drantz also covers the team at The Athletic. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at D-L-E-A-M-C.com. We are live from the Kintech studio. Kintech. Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Uh, 650-650, of course, is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Big Wednesday show, as always. Our pals from Donnie and Dolly, Don Taylor, and Rick Dollywell will join us in just a few minutes here for the crossover to kick off Wednesday's show. Always a pleasure to have them on with us, and of course, We'll chat with Jason Bukla, uh, our guy from Sportsnet's NHL coverage, coming up at 1 o'clock on the show. Uh, we'll do the whiteboard for the final segment of the show, of course, as well, making room for the crossover as we do on Wednesdays here. Um, lots to get into today. Start with a really, really hot take, which is that the Canucks are much better, much, much better than the Chicago Blackhawks. That was 4-2, so much more comfortable than even that indicates and you know Drance and I spoke to Yannick Hansen yesterday and talked about these types of games at the end of the road trip and Yannick said yeah you you feel like you already have one foot on the tarmac getting ready to get on the plane or get off the plane even in Vancouver and it can be hard to focus but you have to find that way to be professional to go out there do what you need to do to get the two points bring those two points home with you on the plane don't get caught looking ahead and I mean the Canucks look they didn't give up a shot until 30 seconds left in the first period they were dominant in that first period they put in I don't even want to say it was just enough effort because it was clearly they left absolutely no doubt about the gap in quality between those two teams in that first period and then was it completely pedaled to the metal the rest of the way no but it didn't need to be and that's fine Again, nobody could have watched that game and came away with any questions about who was the far superior team, uh, and the Canucks are awarded with two points. A comfortable, business-like, as Rick Tockett said, two points to bring home to Vancouver uh, as they finish 3-1-1 one, and one on that road trip. And again, think about how many... It just seems like there's been a lot of concern and anxiety about the performance of this Canucks team over the course of the road trip, and yet they're finishing... 3-1-1 one, and one, coming home for a couple of games now beginning tomorrow uh, against the Detroit Red Wings and then big one against the Winnipeg Jets on Saturday. What's up, Drance? Not much, bud. How are you? I'm doing very well. What did you tell our listeners? I, I just said you'd be on in a couple moments. Yeah, predisposed or indisposed. Indisposed, yes. <laughs> predisposed to being indisposed. I predisposed suppose. to being indisposed. <laughs> but you're here now um, a few minutes before... Uh, Donnie and Dolly join us for the crossover. And, you know, as I said, look, Tocca called it business-like, professional, whatever you want. I won't even say it's like a game where they did just enough to get the two points because they were so clearly better. But they they played like a really hard 20 minutes, showed everyone how superior they are to the Blackhawks. And then we're like, yeah, we're going to win this game. We're 100% going to win this game from there on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I actually was pretty impressed by the level of territorial dominance, especially 100%. in that first period. But also the second. I mean, I didn't think it was... You know, I wouldn't say it was just a 20-minute effort. I felt like it was um, a really impressive game. Honestly, I thought it was – yeah, you got to adjust. It's hard to wait when the quality yes. of the competition is that low. And and you feel bad for the Blackhawks. Like, they didn't build this. 
You know, like this no. team should have had Bedard and, and it, Taylor Hall. Well, and, and it's also it's like even with putting aside that, it's not on the players who are out there. You know, no, they're just no, in no. an incredibly difficult position. But I, I just like I think about watching them in October when they looked kind of frisky. Mm-hmm. Not good, but frisky. Mm-hmm. And like that's the team that you know that they built, and just unbelievable circumstances, right? Like to be. Oh, we're going to be a bottom five team, but we'll be a tough out some nights, and we're going to have an offensive superstar like budding, um, you know, throughout the year, and then to also be like this team most wrecked by injuries and weird circumstance. It's just I feel bad. Like I feel bad for the team. If it, it, you watch them and it feels so lifeless, but that doesn't diminish the credit that the Canucks should get, in my view, for coming out and really taking it to them no you have to do the opponent adjustment but again once even once you do the opponent adjustment uh still a really effective performance for the canucks and i mean in particular guess which line (laughs) had another great game it is of course the third line dominating again couple of goals for connor garland dakota joshua three points did you see that i saw some memes from like raymond hat uh you know classic canucks twitter dude Mm -hmm. and it was like photo of Garland and Dakota Joshua and it's a photo of Henrik and Daniel. <laughs> really enjoyed that. I, I was like actually thinking you good know, knee slap when uh, when Joshua came to uh, Garland's aid at the end of the game and Garland was giving him the the big shout out for it and saying he owes him a dinner and stuff post game. I was thinking I think it's from Looney Tunes like the really big stoic dog and the tiny little <laughs> dog. You know what I mean that are friends? Sure. And one backs the other one up. That's a, that's what came to mind uh, for me in that moment. And it's funny because in some ways it's symbolic of how far this team has come because of course and I I know Halford uh, was making a similar point on Halford and Breath this morning, but you go back to training camp and like they fought. Those guys were scrapping. And yep. not only were they scrapping, I mean, Garland, it leaks that his agent has permission to seek uh, a trade. Dakota Joshua getting called out by Rick Tockett, right? And, you know, hey, questioning his fitness. Like, it was not easy to predict from training camp, not only those two guys both individually becoming key drivers of this Canucks season, but like forming this chemistry and being this incredible two thirds of this third line that they have. Yeah. I, I mean, Honestly, I've I've had a lot of time for both players, I think, pretty consistently. Like, I, I thought Joshua could level up as a penalty killer, for example, was, was kind of banging that drum well before mm-hmm. he was getting the opportunity. Now I think he's arguably their best penalty killer other than Elias Lindholm. You know, I, I, truly, like, their best penalty killing forward. Their best penalty killing defenseman is now Noah Juleson, who makes, like, f- five <laughs> great plays a game. Uh-huh. Sure, yeah, Noah Juleson. Can't take him out of the lineup. And I'm not kidding. Like, I'm not kidding. It's true. We were having this discussion the other day, right? Does he come out if it's game one of the playoffs? But he was great again last night. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, I don't... Some of this stuff just defies logic and explanation. It's incredible stuff. And, you know, good for for these guys. Like, it's, uh, it's hard not to be happy for this team performing the way they have. And now things get serious, right? I mean, Chicago was this road trip was serious don't get me wrong but like Chicago was obviously a reprieve we uh-huh. kind of knew that but you know now it's Detroit again nothing more serious than Winnipeg the, than the gritty revenge game coming up tomorrow can you have a gritty revenge game without the Flyers yeah no, yes sorry yeah that's all um right. <laughs> I feel like Matt Damon in the Duncan commercial <laughs> I was just trying really so hard sorry. I was trying really hard to enunciate the D's and make them not sad because it's so confusing <laughs> in hockey otherwise grid E it, it really is anyway you know this this homestand is going to be interesting it's brief and then you've got a tough road trip coming up Colorado Winnipeg yep. LA like all these measuring stick games 
Loom. Boston at home again uh, in a couple weeks. Which now has it now is even more interesting, so it should be a ton of fun. All right, it is Wednesday. That means it's time for the crossover from Donnie and Dolly, uh, which you can check out Monday to Friday on Check TV, 10 to noon. It is Don Taylor and Rick Dollywall. Guys, what's going on? Phil Kessel, there, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> I win last night in, in Chicago, and uh, yeah, we just got off the air. Rick, you're... Uh, and Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. oh happy, happy Valentine's, Valentine's Day, guys. Day, guys. Yeah. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you. Yeah, I would have completely absolutely. blanked otherwise. Absolutely. Uh, so mm. we'll start. I mean, there's a ton to get into. Obviously, they pick up the win last night in Chicago, but uh, you've been all over it with Phil Kessel posting the, the picture of him skating in gear uh, with Abbotsford this morning, Rick. Mm. So tell us, where's this going? What should we expect next with Phil, Phil Kessel and the Canucks? Well, they're going to practice. Uh, he'll practice with the Abbey Canucks. They'll monitor him. Uh, they're going to take it step by step. They're like, I, I, I asked if he's going to play any games for Abbotsford Canucks, and I was told, hey, step by step. And so basically um, conditioning, skating, is he ready to once again play? You know, he's had 10 months off. Can he play in the best league in the world? Uh, you know, the pace is going to be big. Conditioning's big. These are the things they're going to watch uh, over the weekend in the next few days. And if they like what they see and if they, you know, talk at Rutherford Alvin and, and, they'll, and everyone in the hockey department, they'll sign him. Uh, but I don't think there's any guarantees, guys. I don't think he came here with a guarantee. There's uh, three to four other teams that have been in on Castle all year long. Uh, Canucks called them in August over the summer, and they just had too many young kids and too many bodies at camp, so they didn't do it in August before camp. But they've kept tabs with them. There's a relationship with Rutherford Alvin and uh, uh, Tockett going into the past. They like this player. Uh, so guess what? He's here. It's up to him. If he performs well, I guess in these, uh, I guess we can call it a tryout. Uh, then they'll uh, execute a sign. If not, then uh, they might have to part ways. Yeah, I like it, guys, because if he does sign, you know, you're not giving up any assets. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'd imagine that he'll come with a cheap price tag that they'll make work under under the cap. Uh, the other thing too is, even if even if it doesn't work out on the ice. There's a push there, possibly from Fisk, Phil Kessel, when it comes to some of the players yep. like McKeev, who are you know I would say underperforming, and and also two guys. I think I the more I listen to Rick talk at talk, the more I think that he's one of these coaches, and I always respect guys like this that he, he likes to wake things up during an 82 game uh, schedule, and this is something that's going to get everyone talking and buzzing. And I'm not just talking about fans and mm-hmm. media, but you know players as well. Just you know. Know, just, just, just something to keep everybody, everybody uh, awake at the very least. So, I, it's a, it's a no-brainer. Rick, what did you make of Tockett's commentary to the media in Chicago about Kessel? In, in particular, asked what he could add to this lineup. He said, "I have no idea. I don't know. I haven't seen him skate. I have to see how he's skating down there." To be honest with you, is this just part and parcel with the gradual uh, development of this potential relationship? Yeah, it's just him playing coy, right? Um, mm. Don't they, you know, it just at the All-Star break, Rick Tockett was quoted by Sportsnet as saying 100% he thinks the Kessel can still play, right? He said that in that Luke Fox article. So he himself has been public and saying, yes, that he could still play in the NHL. Where's the fit? Like everybody and Donnie and I were talking about, where's the fit? Top six, bottom yep. six, top nine. Where's the fit? Well, he provides depth. 
He provides scoring. He provides the fact that he's won three Stanley Cups. Uh, he provide. He could be. A, it could be a fit for in the top nine. He's versatile. He's got championship pedigree. He's won three Stanley Cups, two with these guys, talking Alvina Rutherford. So that's where the fit. But, is. but he's not going in the third line. No, I know there's. Hey, no one's going on the third line. That's the best third line in the NHL. Do not touch the third line. Thank you. I, I wasn't suggesting breaking up the third line. I, I don't know if anyone here was suggesting, but yeah. I agree with you for well, the record. Connie said it. Don't that, break up the third No, line. I think you were suggesting that. You said top nine. No, I just said top nine because... It, That's the polite way yeah, to say yeah. third liner. I said top nine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Tockett said... <laughs> a, a, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Drance. Thomas. Uh, <laughs> what's his name? Uh, I Happy Valentine's Day to you, Rick. I forgot right in front of you. I, got it. I forgot. Thomas, I forgot your name. I'm sorry. It's been a crazy morning it's this morning. Good. At uh, Donnie and Dolly, a lot of things on the fly here. But listen, <laughs> did uh, Tockett not say 10 days ago that if uh, Mikheyev doesn't work in the top six, he has talked to Garland to possibly moving up? Mm-hmm. Like, he has said stuff like that in the past, right? But the way the third line's going, last night, six points, Joshua, Gordy, Howe, Hattrick, uh, Garland, two goals, Teddy, Bluger. Like, this is this line, I, I am not afraid to say this. That's this. That's the best third line in the NHL, and it's not even close. Well, and it must be so tempting, to, uh, Thomas, for, for uh, Rick Tockett right now to do what Rick was just talking about, uh, not not forgetting your name, but the other thing he was he was talking about, and that you know like these guys are playing so well, can they help the can they help the top six when it's not not playing so well? But they're not just scoring goals; they're beautiful goals. Yeah. Yeah. Like that first goal last night. I mean, the one that went off Garland skate was lucky, but that 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 first goal last night was magical. And, and it didn't go off anybody's shin pad or skate. It was just beautiful. And Joshua's goal too. And Joshua has displayed among yeah. uh, all his other stuff. He's got soft hands for a, a big guy. And, and you know what? Big guy with soft hands. That That's a really nice combo to have in the NHL. <laughs> and Joshua. <laughs> walk of life, Are you getting really? carried yeah, away yeah, on Valentine's Day, Rick? <laughs> Big guy, soft hands. Hey, get your mind out of the gutter, Thomas. I was talking about a big hockey player with soft hands. Jeez, Thomas. I know you just kept repeating it. Perfect, perfect Valentine's Day content. Because save me, save me. Save me. He's tapping you in, Donnie. He needs. He needs some help. Can I bring up a couple? I want to bring up a couple discussion points for the for the group. Okay. Um. You yeah. called that yeah. Garland Joshua Bluger line the best third line in hockey. I don't disagree with you. Are they the best line yeah. for the Canucks? Period. Yeah, that's a good question. Right now they are, for sure. Well, um consistency. Yeah, yeah I I'd say that. Uh the game they were losing in Boston. Well, they lost they ended up lo- uh, losing in, in, in Boston. You, you, I, and and again, I, I don't know if it was a message. Well, it must have been a message to the entire team just just how much ice time uh, they got there, and if there was any chance of getting back into it, those those are the players that Rick Tockett trusted the most. And just uh, the, you know, maybe the ice time isn't there, but man, it just it, it it just seems so. I mean, again, guys, things have happened so quickly. Not just with the entire team, but let's focus on that third line. I just I I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. No. Like honestly, like it's just so quick. This has just come come out of nowhere. It's so hard to uh, wrap your wrap your head around. And yeah, right now that that third line has to be considered the, their their best their best line right now. Just hard to believe. Well, and I was saying just before you guys, two of the guys are you. Well, two of the guys are UFAs. Yeah. Like if I'm the Canucks, get on the phone with both their agents. Like. You know, I talked to uh, Dakota's agent last night, Rich Evans, and 
nothing going on. Did you want to walk with him <laughs> yesterday? Well, he lives in my neighborhood. We on weekends we uh, run into each other on walks all the time. But I talked to Rich last night. Nothing cooking uh, with the contract. Is he a big guy with soft hands? <laughs> He's got a chihuahua, a small dog. Um, he's always <laughs> no. He's got a chihuahua. He's always walking his uh, chihuahua. Well, you let me finish. He, there's nothing going on with Joshua right now in terms of contract or but Rich he, Evans. <laughs> but if I were the Canucks, pick up the phone, get these two guys done. Um, but if done. you're if you're Joshua, Rick, though, I mean, what's the incentive to sign now? Aren't you like he's going to make he's going to be in demand if he keeps playing like this and they win a playoff round or two and he's doing these types of things? I mean. He's going to be able to name his price once it gets right. to the summer. Guys, we had a poll question. Was yeah. it uh, two days ago? Yeah. You know, which member, which UFA member of the third line should the Canucks go all out to keep? And Joshua, uh, I'm surprised. Overwhelmingly. He, yeah, overwhelmingly ran going away over Teddy Bluger. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and Joshua's been around uh, longer. But I just think, you know, usually you'd, you default to the center, center you know, yeah. right, guys? Take the center. Usually, right uh, you, you always yeah. take the center. I think you know uh, Joshua was such a unique talent. Yep. yep. You know, uh, and and uh, that goal that he scored, you guys maybe can help me out a, a couple of weeks ago, where he was in front of the net. It was the drag semi open net, but he he was in very close. Yes. And he, and he yep. went yes. top shelf. I mean, the hands that he didn't <laughs> again, big guy with soft hands, but he in the display he put on there, and then last night with the Gordy Howe hat trick, he's a real unique talent that is clearly standing out, not just in Vancouver. But around the National Hockey League, there, there's a whole lot there. Hey. Uh, you know, they're going to have a tough time keeping him. To summarize this discussion, by the way, I just want right. to I just want to read the following statistic for you. Okay, last 15 yep. Canucks yep. games, five on five. Okay, Elias Pettersson ice time mm-hmm. total 194 minutes 54 seconds. Teddy Bluger 193 seconds. Wow, or 193 minutes 57 seconds. One minute of difference. <laughs> Bluger, Garland, Joshua rank four, five, six among Canucks forwards in ice time over that stretch. This ain't a third line. This is an engine. Yeah. All right. La- other yeah. other topic yeah. for discussion. You're fired up. Yeah. I got you really pumped. All right. Sorry. Let's go. I, I, yeah. I love that third line. Other topic for discussion. Is Phil Kessel really free? I would argue to you, Donnie, he ain't free because mm. at this point in the season, Facing the hope of 10 weeks of playoff hockey in late April through mid-June, you only have so many bullets that you get to shoot in terms of your roster spots and cap space. Um, You know, given this team's needs, defensive depth, you've got Willannon and Hirose injured on the farm. You've got Susie hurt. Zadorov was suspended. You saw what happened as a result of that call-up. Given that this team could probably still use some more forward size, maybe some more penalty-killing depth, you know, your next forward up is like a young guy you'd be blooding, right? As opposed to like a more experienced NHL guy who can do some yeoman's work for you defensively. You never know what injuries could happen between now and the deadline, too. We all remember Jacob Markstrom getting hurt right after they traded for Toffoli, right? Really, really putting a crimp in the Canucks' plans. Um, Given that, is Kessel really free or is he perhaps an unwise use of those roster spots and cap space? Donnie, your reaction. 
Oh, I just it's just so tempting. And I think, mm. that, you know, because of the relationship with him and, and uh, Talkit and Rutherford and Alvin, the Pittsburgh connection, the Arizona uh, connection, the history there, I, I think it might come under the category of let, let, let's give this a shot and see if he can recapture some of the magic. But uh, you, you do make uh, the, the, the point that maybe there's, there's somebody in the organization. I think that's the point you were making. A lot of pointing going on today. You know, <laughs> Thomas is making his point. You're, you're pointing it at, at me. So is that where you're going, uh, Thomas, that maybe he's taken up a, a spot that somebody else could take up that's already in the organization? Well, just that you need to be conscious of limited ammunition. You know, it, uh, for me, Kessel kind of makes sense if you're making another deal. But yeah. on a team with Hoaglander and Garland and all these different sort of okay. offensive generators in your bottom six, like, is Kessel what you need more than, like, another penalty-killing oh, forward yes. with experience, more than more defensive depth, more than keeping your powder dry before March 8th so that you can react should you sustain an injury of some kind? That, to me, is sort okay. of the, the fit yeah, I, I don't understand. Okay. Our, our inbox, uh, Delaney's okay, Tyron Langley inbox. Can I say that on this show, by the way? Too late. Please, Done. Please do. Yeah, Go I, ahead. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll, talk, we'll talk afterwards. But uh, we had a lot of people saying just that. It's, yeah. hey, listen, they don't need Kessel. Yeah. They, need some, they need toughness. They, they need grit more so than anything else because they do have those players in the bottom six who are contributing offensively. What about uh, somebody – who can protect people, who can scare people. That's, you know, the old school playoff type player. So from that point of view, that's a great question. Uh, Thomas, Th- I, that I, I'm not doing a good job answering. No, you did. You answered well, it. Well, Rick, Thomas, I do just... want to give you an update. Like the trade. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no. I'm just curious <laughs> to know, like, can you explain the fit from the Canucks perspective? What What do you think they see here? They just like the player. They trust the player. Like, mm, Thomas, yeah. I can't. They've been on the phone with his agent every single day for the past three weeks. Okay? There's been a lot of dialogue. There was dialogue in August, and then it picked up. It was around Christmas time. They, they're still talking. They kept in touch with his agent. There's a trust level there. They, they trust him. They like him. They like the pedigree of the championships, the Stanley Cups. They think he still has the skill. We showed a goal, uh, Donnie, that uh, he scored at uh, Rogers Arena last in year. In March. Yeah. yeah, and it was a beautiful goal. Uh, Ethan Bear coughed it up, and then he came down and scored. So the, the skill is the, still there. The big deal is conditioning and skating. Is it there? And if they, if they do think it's there, they'll sign him. If not, like I said, there's no guarantees this weekend, guys, that he's going he's gonna to sign. He's got to still show his stuff. And that big one is going to be conditioning. But I wanted to tell you guys, um, you know, and when it comes to trades, the Canucks are monitoring everything right now, big and small. The preference is not to trade any more first-round picks. The, you know what, though? Hockey people will say that, and then along comes a deal. You can't refuse, and maybe you have to, but the preference is not to trade a first-round pick right now. But they are monitoring everything. Mm-hmm. If you think they're pretty quiet right now and not making calls, uh, you're out. Uh, you, you, that's not correct. Uh, you know, they're, they continue to work the phones, and they're monitoring everything, I think, right now when it comes to the trade deadline. Uh, one name we heard come up last week out of Philadelphia, actually, was that uh, they'd maybe checked in on Rasmus Ristolainen. And now, I know he's injured for a little bit here, too, so that might not even be a realistic possibility at the trade deadline. Was there anything to that, or is that just an example of, as you say, Rick, this management yeah. team doing their due diligence, <laughs> calling, touching in with people. Silly season. Yeah, silly season, basically. Didn't that come from the guy who – didn't that come yeah, from the guy that did. Tortorella doesn't talk to? Yeah, Tortorella uh, I was told the Vancouver Canucks uh, have zero interest in Rasmus or uh, Easterlin. And 
Uh, actually, when I brought it up, I was asked, are you on the Cheech and Chong stuff? <laughs> that's, that's where this, uh, you know, it's, there, there's, there, there's nothing there. They, they never checked in on him. How can the Canucks be in on a guy with that much term and that much money? Yeah. Ask yourself. You know, I was told today that it's uh, the Canucks never showed interest in Rasmus uh, Ristolainen. I uh, just would check 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 his term and his contract. I mean, how can you add that to the Vancouver Canucks roster? But uh, that was shot down today. W- would you say the reporter made a hash of it, Rick? <laughs> Ooh, yeah. All right. Don't well, lose your uh, day job there, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two of them. He um, might after this segment. <laughs> uh, before, okay, we can't we can't end this without uh, talking about the the big matchup tomorrow. And at first, I got to ask Rick. I, th- I thought you were going to say we can't end this without talking about dry flower. <laughs> <laughs> Rick, I got to ask you. Did you know what the gritty was before Saturday? No, no. <laughs> what did you call it earlier? The giddy. Giddy. The giddy. Yeah. Well, he was, was giddy. He giddy. just he scored an overtime no, goal for his team. No. He was giddy. Yeah. Donnie and I go back to the 70s and 80s. There was no gritty stuff back then. It was no, just, you uh, see, no, you no, don't there was me. No, no, no. Because no. what did I bring up earlier this week? Tiger Williams. Yep. Right. Oh yeah, celebrating yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah, yeah. somewhat of a dance. No, he's after talking about the dance though. Tiger did the. He just rolled the. He rode the stick uh, down Maple Leaf Gardens, and rubbing it, was, it in a bit. Uh, yeah, I know. The, there's no but way the, this gritty thing. I, I, I think don't it's Timu Solani throwing yeah, his glove up in the air and shooting at it yeah, with his stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good one, uh, Jamie. Thank you. And yeah. and, uh, yeah. and there's no Feel way, flurry. Rick. Rick, like your day back in your day, you knew the time warp. You knew the uh, car wash. You knew the electric slide. It ain't different. He has no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) I grew up with John Travolta and the Disco Age. Okay? Travolta was great. Yeah, Donnie and I, we we both love John Travolta. Don't throw me under the bus here. You're a big disco guy, too. Listen. (laughs) That would be a great celebration, by the way. Yeah. They they got to do what John Travolta did in some of those movies. See, then you'd be on board. Can you imagine Elias Pettersson? Yeah, no, the only two people that would get it. Saturday Game winner in overtime and hits the movie. Saturday Night Fever? That'd oh, be, legend, that'd be legendary. Sick. Yeah. That'd be sick. So anyways, Travolta what do you think? Are they, they take it, back do they the need day. to do anything to Jake Wallman tomorrow? Or is it a non-issue? Oh, there's, that's a nothing burger. Yeah. It's a nothing Don't burger. Don't let him score. How about that? Yeah, how about yeah. that? How about concentrating on picking up the two points? I mean, I mean, come on. Uh, you know what? They're, they can they, they finished the trip three one and one. They're in first place overall in the standings. They don't have time to worry about a yeah. dance. Yeah. You know, they, 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 I don't think <laughs> nothing, I don't think anything happens tomorrow at all. Yeah, I got to agree. I uh, I love it. I, I don't think there's any need. Well, what's I, with dry flowers? What, what what's what, dry flower? Tell us about dry flowers. That's the Cheech and Chong stuff. I was just bringing it back. Oh, that oh, dry flower. Oh, the Cheech and Chong stuff. I thought it was some sort of Valentine. Oh, uh, I see. I th- we thought you were talking about something else. Here. <laughs> you, guys, yeah. you guys got All big right. Valentine's Day plans tonight? Uh, yeah. yeah. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're both going to nap. <laughs> we're we're the, getting up there in age. we got to ex- get our naps in in the The excitement afternoon. level was off the charts there. So uh, enjoy the Valentine's yeah. Day plans, no, fellas. I, Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead, Dottie. Now, the wife has told me, don't buy me anything. And I said, oh, I'm wow. down with that. that that's just yeah, fine. That's Sorry. That. That's a healthy marriage right there. S- Sorry, you believed her? 
No. <laughs> I'll stop at a gas station. I'll stop at a gas station and get her some flowers. Gas station? Yeah. You know the gas station flowers? You got to go to Save On. They got the big uh, flower section. Oh, so you are doing something for nah, the Ah, yeah, but who goes to a gas station and get <laughs> Right Donnie. here. No, oh, my goodness, Donnie. Come <laughs> Me, on, man. Thomas and I. That's Step who. it up. Gas station, not Step nearly good Save enough. Save On's got save a great uh, flower section. <laughs> save, on is, save On is a great flower section. <laughs> I'm a brick. Exactly. I'm a brick. Not a florist. Save On. Save On. <laughs> They're right. a florist at Save On. It's, it's a florist guy. Yeah. It is. You're right. Rick's As opposed right. to a florist. <laughs> <laughs> they do have a big uh, florist. You're, ta- uh, you're, flower talking li- you're talking like uh, Rick Tockett now. He's a big big florist guy. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what he, that's how he would say it. All right. This, All right is going, this is going rapidly off the rails, guys. we got to wrap this up here. It is. Have, it is. have a great so week. we got to go buy flowers. Have, have, everyone Next go buy your day. flowers. Have a great Valentine's Day. Okay. That is Rick Dollywall and Todd Taylor. As I said, spinning rapidly out of control towards the end there. Legendary moment from Don Taylor. We're like, yeah, I'll stop at a gas station. <laughs> I'm so home. good. So good. Fill up the tank. <laughs> Get some gas station flowers. Hey, man. That's, uh, that's how a marriage lasts right there. Indeed. Yeah, no, I mean, I like to get them sent so I don't have to do anything on the day of. Mm. That's my pro tip to everybody. Very good. Yeah. Arrange it in advance. A little preparation goes a long way on Valentine's Day. Um, all right. We'll take a break here. Lots to get into. Uh, we haven't really had much of a chance to dig into the Phil Kessel news and developments. So we can do that. Uh, and some more uh, takeaways from the game last night, including, you know, the performance of the third line, questions about the top six, all of that, looking ahead to the upcoming schedule. Plus, we'll take your text here. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, more Canucks talk coming up here on Sportsnet 650. Jamie's on the bench. Cam Barra came in. Our station manager, Cam Barra, has come in and demanding accountability, inspired by the work of Rick Tockett. I think I think you've gotten. You're going to miss a shift. You're going to miss a turn through the through the lines. I've been suspended. <laughs> yeah, for p- failing to uphold the honor of our sponsor. I would I would say that's. I don't think you've been. You haven't been Morgan Riley. You've that's been like. True. You've been like. <laughs> oh no, Pedersen in Boston. Where well, it's I like, has he been benched? Yeah. No, he's yeah, back out there. Kind of. Yeah, he missed a one turn. Yeah, I, let, I, I made the the cardinal sin of uh, allowing Don Taylor to mention his inbox sponsor, without immediately shouting about our wonderful inbox sponsor, Dunbar Lumber. Well, you know it'll never happen again now. No. <laughs> so Don, Donnie pulled a Ridley Grieg, and you didn't pull a Morgan Riley. You just you skated away. <laughs> no, pulling a Morgan Riley would have been if I had like yelled at Donnie and then thrown off my headset and stormed out of the studio. That would have been pulling a Morgan Riley. I needed to find the middle ground. That's what I needed to do. No, whatever. We're like, not whatever. Uh, not whatever. Who cares? Not whatever. Do you know how many times I've pumped Dunbar Lumber's tires? An awful lot. And they deserve it. They're fantastic. One might call you Roberto Luongo. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Anyways, Speaking welcome back to Canucks Stock here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, live from the Kintech Studio, 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. 
Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street or Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Um, Superior text inbox. The Superior <laughs> text inbox sponsor, yes. They're, whatever. We'll talk about this more later. I was going to get into it more, but uh, I'll just uh, I'll, I'll zip it on that point for now. Um, Phil Castle. All right. So Eagle Eye Canucks Twitter members spot him at YVR. Love that. Uh, last Love night, that which is fantastic. Us, that's, which, that's old school passion in it this is, marketplace. It absolutely is. Like, which, remember the John Tortorella thing? Yep. Oh, that was so good. Which uh, prompts the, uh, you know, eventually the team making a statement about it. He's here. He's going to work out in Abbotsford. Uh, he's on the ice with Abbotsford. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of layers to this and a lot of kind of questions that come up for me, even just beyond the on ice fit. And, you know, Rick, uh, Rick Dollywell in the crossover, I thought made a really important point, which is as much as it looks like this is a prelude to him inevitably signing with the Canucks. You know, Rick saying, I don't think there are any guarantees here. And even, you know, you brought it up, Rick Tockett's commentary last night after Chicago, as much as there's a longstanding relationship between him and Phil Kessel, and he obviously respects what Phil Kessel can do on the ice, very noncommittal when asked about it after the Black Ops game. Well, I need to see him skate, right? Like, that's really what he said. Like, I need to see where his game is at, where his skating is at, uh, before we even start to... Uh, uh, before we even wanted to comment on it more. And th- I, I guess the biggest question for me is how much of a priority is this anything more than just fact finding? Like we were just talking about, hey, they do their due diligence. They make their calls on people around the league. Is this kind of an elevated version of that? Or no. does management see this as, hey, this guy can really solve a problem or answer a question for us? You know what I mean? Or is it somewhere in the middle, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I, I would. it's definitely not just due diligence because you've brought him you brought him in here and look phil kessel's played a lot of games he's won multiple stanley cups he's won stanley Mm -hmm. cups for teams that talkett and rutherford worked for just from a relationship management perspective you know like there might not be guarantees but think about if you're ever involved in like hiring or being hired by a friend or someone you've worked with before Mm -hmm. how how, like the communicate like hey i can't guarantee anything but right yeah yeah yeah, you know what i mean like both sides are going to have their eyes wide open here in terms of what they're doing, and this is a pretty serious expression of interest, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I, I'd say we're that there might still be some like hurdles to jump over in terms of Kessel demonstrating his preparedness. Although, man, this guy's a savant, right? Like people always said, one of the strongest pound for pound players in the league, mm-hmm. right? Drank like nothing but diet Pepsi, but then crushed the fitness tests. You know, like. He's one of those guys. And there's obviously a drive here because yeah. he hasn't played in almost 10 months. And I know they were making this point, point on the postgame show last night, right? Like, it'd be very, he's accomplished a lot in his career. It would be very, very easy for him to hang up the skates with zero regrets right now. The totally. fact that he's willing to, you know, hey, I'm not going to have a guarantee, but I'm going to go out there. I'm going to skate with your AHL team. I'm going to put in this work. Like, that speaks to a drive and a hunger that he still has. Well, and obviously, he's not like one of the league's elite rush finishers anymore, mm-hmm. right? But he played 82 games for Vegas. He mm-hmm. was, like, legitimately good on the second power play unit. The Canucks' PP2 has been bad. Like, does Ilya Mikheyev have a power play point all season? I don't, I don't think he does. So. I don't believe so. You know, so, I mean, there is, like, a small area of need where Kessel can help, and we know that this organization loves those margins, right? I mean, they care about hockey fit above all else. Mm-hmm. So, hey, uh, punch up our second unit, give us an additional option. I mean, I think this is far more serious than... 
hey, let's take a look. You know, like, I, I mean, there's some of that. They are going to take a look. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly, there's no commitment yet, or he would have just signed. But, uh, you know, what I was talking about with Kessel being a savant, like, I'm pretty sure this guy's going to be <laughs> good right away. <laughs> like, I don't think he's going <laughs> to I don't think this is a normal athlete. Like, I don't. I don't even think this guy is normal within the realm of NHL players. Well, no, he's clearly not. I mean, he has the Iron Man streak, right? Never hurt. Yeah. Never hurt. Like, you know, the, just everything about Kessel is singular. Right? I've never seen anyone score wrist shots like him. Mm. Do you remember the seeing eye? Like, he didn't. He wasn't ripping wrist shots top corner. It was like these little threaded, you know, like sort of um, what would, would, would like blocker side wristers that like rose totally differently than any like I've never seen anyone shoot like him I've never seen anyone attack like him like he's he's just a completely unique athlete and individual mm-hmm. um I have zero doubt that he's going to look ready like honestly I think that's the that's the part of this that I'm least skeptical about the only thing that I can't like and I, I want to be clear I'm not trying to be critical here because this could work in a way I don't mm-hmm. expect obviously but the fit side of it unnerves me. And and not from a what Kessel brings to the lineup, but from a resource allocation between now and March 8th well, perspective. But those things are connected, right? Because if he brought different things to the lineup, the that part would concern me less, the opportunity cost. Because I agree with you. My my biggest question... If he was a defenseman or like a large center? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know what I mean? It okay. would. It'd be like, oh, okay, I can clearly... That's a clear area where they need more depth. Yeah. So, okay, go get this free acquisition cost. Because I agree with you that my biggest question about this is what's the opportunity cost right does this prevent you from going out and making a a more significant move or a move that fills an area of need more for you uh closer to the deadline i have no problem kind of in the abstract or theoretically with phil kessel as you know your 13th forward guy with a ton of experience cup winner who can come in uh in an emergency and fill a bunch of different roles for you that makes sense for me i have no problem uh, with that, it's the only question is, are you playing kind of your final card here? And, and are you doing it a little too early before the deadline? Mm. Now, look, the timing I, thing is important. That's it for me, right? Because I understand, look, hey, you you know, to get him on the roster, you might even have to expose somebody to waivers. Are you cutting away your depth there? So are you really actually even adding to your depth if you bring him in and then you're using that cap space? And again, I understand there's always like, you know, guys you can send down, but that has its own risks. It's just to me, as long as they're keeping their options open to do something else that comes along. And as Rick Dalio was saying, hey, they're going to wait. They're going to be patient. They're going to see what develops, where the prices are. As long as Phil Kessel doesn't interfere with that process, I don't have a problem with it because, but if it does interfere with that, I just don't think the upside there, the marginal improvement is significant enough to warrant it kind of being one of your last uh, kicks at the can. Yeah. So like a few scenarios that that I think are worth being mindful of Mm -hmm. just, you you know, this is the old um, thing we like to do. The exercise we like to go through where we step back. Right, like sure. let's remove ourselves from what we know or are hearing from reports. You know what I mean? Like let's step back and just think about this. Why do you want to get a look at a guy within the organization without signing him in advance to even a PTO? To keep your options open for, for one reason, right? To keep your options open in what 
perspective. Like, you don't, what do you mean? Like contractual, no contractual commitment, no money commitment, nothing. Right. right. Like you can, there's they they could call Phil Kessel right now and say, hey, we changed our mind. There'd be no ramifications. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's no commitment whatsoever. Now it could be that you just want to get a look at him skating, see where his fitness level is at, mm-hmm. get a chance for like Rick Tockett to meet him, maybe introduce him to some players, gauge the temperature, see how it fits. Mm-hmm. But you also could be buying time, right? Like. Because to me, the Kessel thing makes the most sense if there's another shoe to drop. Right. So could you be buying time? You bring him into the organization so he can't sign anywhere else, or at least he's not looking to sign anywhere else. You know, we, we need a week here. Yeah. We want to just see where some other things go. I could can that see be that. part of it? I can see that, absolutely. Now, okay, so trying to think like what, where it would make sense for that to be happening on the roster. You know what I mean? Like, are you doing that? Are you then, is it, okay, we're, we might be trading a forward. So we're bringing Phil Kessel in to shore up that part of our organization. Like is, could that be one of the processes here? I know you're not reporting this. I'm just no. kind of trying to spitball yeah, and I mean, tease it out. Something like that. Yeah. You know, m- maybe it's an underperformer, right? Uh, Ilya Mikheyev sort of first guy to, that comes, comes to, mind, to mind for sure. Maybe it's a salary cap reallocation move, which mm-hmm, would be mm-hmm. sort of more in the Nikita Zadorov direction, right? Something like that. Well, I will say with the hockey fit, the way the the way the lineup has shaken out just over the last ten days, like really post All Star break, I will say that the fit makes more sense to me now than it did maybe ten days ago because. Hoaglander scored Hoag- goals in three straight, well, and that, now looks like he's... If Hoaglander's going to be a fixture in the top six, mm-hmm. which he seems poised to be now, and Ily Mikheyev continues to struggle a little bit, like that's it's cleaner to slide Phil Kessel into Ily Mikheyev's spot on the fourth line to me than it would be to try to fit him in when Garland and Hoaglander are both in the bottom six. Sure, if he's replacing Niels Hoaglander... Right. Essentially, <laughs> right? If Hoaglander moves up and Phil Kessel slides into his spot on the fourth line, that makes a lot more sense to me than what we were looking at before, mm. right? So I, I can kind of see it from that perspective. I, I guess more than anything, I just wonder, like, my gut reaction to the Kessel thing is just that I worry about the opportunity cost because there's, you know, sort of three scenarios that I think, like, there's three scenarios that I think warrant the team using limited cap space and limited roster spots on between now and the deadline, right? We're talking about a team that if they don't subtract anything from the lineup, about $2 million. So that's two pieces of some consequence, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you still have Niels Amon playing in your lineup every night. I, I think he's killed penalties really well, but five on five, not a ton there, not winning a ton of draws for you. You know, mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day, like one more guy... Ideally, with some size to compete with your Niels Amon, Phil DiGiuseppe, Sam Lafferty class player, um, who can ideally kill penalties. To me, that's like need number one, mm-hmm. or need number one B. The other one is uh, just another defender, ideally a puck mover, ideally a righty, or at least a guy who can comfortably slot onto the right side. That's your like Brandstrom, Travis Dermott, yep. you know Justin Schultz and Matt Dumba on the high end style. Yeah. Ad. Carrier. Carrier. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. Don't get me started. <laughs> it's Valentine's Day. It's either defenseman. You knew it was Valentine's <laughs> Day, didn't you? <laughs> is he the defenseman Pew Suter? Oh, yeah. Alexander Carrier. 100%. Alexander Carrier is like. <laughs> Go get him. My guy. Yeah. he's. I'm nominating him for my guy. Wow. Yeah. Of, uh, of the deadline. And then here's the. M- 
here's honestly the most important one. Like if you if you are trying to upgrade two spots on the roster, you have the space to upgrade um, or add two additional salaries to the roster. I think you have to, in my view anyway, wait till the eleventh hour to do at least one of the deals. Mm. And and this is this is what I'm thinking about. Like I'll never forget sitting in the media room at Rogers Arena, 2020. You know, six weeks before the NHL season sh- shut down. Uh-huh. The Canucks had already added to Foley. We expected a quiet deadline. And then uh, Patrick Johnston reports that they've acquired Louis Domingue. And it's like, what? Why would they add a goalie? And then it all began to make sense. Like, hey, they added a goalie below the line so that he'd retain American League eligibility so that he could come off the books after uh, after the deadline. And because Jacob Markstrom is going to be out for four to six weeks. I mean, that was huge, yep. right? You you buy early on to Foley. And then you lose your most important player. And let make no mistake, Jacob Markstrom was that team's most important player that season. You know, the rainy day fund, like this $2 million is also your rainy day slush fund. Should you yep. have an injury to a Thatcher Demko or, or even like a Tyler Myers, right? Like 100%. Anyone know, who's like a key piece. Anyone. Yeah. You know, that or and, and also if you lose a guy to injury and that injury is only till the deadline. Mm-hmm. Then your two million's not. We can add two depth guys. Your two million plus whatever the salary of that guy is. That's a big piece you could technically add to the lineup, right? Like that's also an opportunity I don't think you want to miss. So again, like sort of needs that exist after the club acquired Elias Lindholm. Like honestly, I'd go number one. Like number one priority need is like time, comma use it. <laughs> they have time. To see what transpires between now and, and March 8th, and they, sh- and they should use that flexibility for that. Um, and then you sort of go down the list, and it's depth, defender, yep. center, et cetera, et cetera. Now, Kessel could be waived or, or whatever, but yeah, I, I it's do... not as if you're stuck with it, even if you do it, no. right? But it's just a little it's a little odd to sign the player and then be like, oh, actually, never mind. We're going to make this trade. So you're uh, you're on waivers now. It's kind of atypical from what you normally see in the NHL. And again, it's not it's not criticism of what they whatever they see here. It's just that I don't quite understand the fit unless it's part of a bigger picture that we can't see it. The 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 path that would make the most sense and makes me make me most excited about a Phil Kessel signing would be if it happened like on March 8th, right? Cause you need to sign him before uh, the end of the trade deadline for him to be eligible for the playoffs, but basically have it in your back pocket, see what else is out there. As you said, use that time, you know, kind of protect yourself uh, against one of your players getting injured, see what else develops. And then if you still have the resources, if you still have the cap space available, okay, go sign Phil Kessel. Adam is that insurance policy that you trust, that you're familiar with. That would make a lot of sense. Now, maybe, look, if there are other teams interested in Phil Kessel, running out the clock like that might not be possible, right? So maybe you have to, if if you want to do it, maybe you have to do it before uh, March 8th, and that could be why we're seeing some movement. That could be why, as you say, maybe they're buying some time here to, mm-hmm. uh, to rearrange some other things. The last thing we'll say here before or I'll say before we go to break is it's an interesting point that you bring up about, OK, could they be making another trade? Somebody maybe underperforming or reallocating some salary cap just because we've seen them do that so often. We have seen that exact maneuver, right? Trade like step one, salary out. Step two, bring in the player that we want uh, that we want instead. That has been a hallmark of this management group since they've arrived in Vancouver. So even with the team playing as well as it has. 
I don't think we should be surprised if that type of move develops uh, before the deadline. Again, lots of great texts coming in. Keep them coming in. Uh, we'll have a chance to get back into this discussion later on when we do the whiteboard. But up next, our guy, Jason Bukala from Sportsnet's NHL coverage and former NHL scout joins the show as he does every Wednesday here on Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People's Show with Bick Nizar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Thomas Drance. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. We are live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet. What are you waiting for? Uh, the hotline is brought to you by Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. The first call, the only call. And now we go to the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning hotline. It is time for our weekly chat from Sportsnet's NHL coverage. Former NHL scout, he is Jason Bukala. Jason, how are you, man? Doing fantastic, fellas. How are you? Uh, we're doing well. We're uh, we're caught up in Phil Kessel mania that's sweeping the city oh. of Vancouver right now. And uh, what's your reaction to the news that Phil Kessel is uh, is here trying out for the team? Could be a potential option for the Canucks here. Yeah, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, you know, obviously last year when uh, Vegas won the won the cup towards the end, he had. A hard time getting in the lineup there, but uh, I see the I see the the value if he let, let's let's be honest he hasn't played all year, so I mean that might not be a bad thing actually for him. I don't think a guy like this loses his feel for the game per se, and uh, obviously he'd be a fresh set of legs. So I mean, uh, worst case scenario, if this works out, uh, you know you're looking at an improvement. I would assume on your second power play unit at worst, and. Uh, and hopefully uh, a secondary layer of offense. But, um, you know, the tracking up and down the ice, I, I think he's going to be a specialist. So let me put it to you that way. I think that you're looking at a, a guy that can play minimal amount of minutes at even strength, but uh, slot in uh, as a specialist to hopefully produce a second layer of offense, especially on the power play. Does it surprise you at all? And we've had a couple of our, our listeners text in. You know, we talked so much, both with you and just in general, about Andre Kuzmenko and his inability to contribute as a 200 foot yeah. player and right. And how that affected his relationship with Rick Tockett. Now, look, obviously Rick Tockett has that prior relationship with Phil Kessel has worked with him, has had success with him, but it does seem a little odd given the identity the Canucks are trying to build of that 200 foot defensive type game. And it's just, I, I guess I'm wondering, not saying it can't happen, but I'm wondering if Phil Kessel is a clean fit within that system. No, he's not. <laughs> Let's be honest. Like he's, he's. This isn't. Uh, this isn't a puzzle piece. This is a. This is an outside the box type of uh, strategy. Uh, it goes against the grain. And you bring up a great example. And your listeners, if they're doing the same thing, they're 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 bang on. I mean, 
The difference, of course, guys, is that uh, I would assume um, Kessel comes in at, you know, 775 or 800 grand, whatever he comes in at. So I think that what you have to further dissect in in regard to this whole, the way the Kuzmenko thing uh, played out and now potentially the Kessel, uh, it does come down to money, doesn't it? Because you can, you can add more than one player to the equation um, with Kuzmenko's contract going out the door. So it gives them the flexibility to, to make more than one move. And, and, and then again, you know, you, you hit it right on the head too, that there's a prior relationship, not only with the management staff, but with the head coach. So there's an understanding there and, uh, and a different type of trust. Books, what, like the Canucks freed up about 650K in cap space. In fact, exactly that short term when they, traded Kuzmenko for uh, Lindholm, you know, giving them about $2 million in flexibility to play with between now and March 8th. If you were to tier, what should this team be shopping for, given that they can probably add, you know, one $2 million piece or, or two $1 million pieces? What would your, like, top three things this club should still be looking to add include? Well, you know, like I watched the game last night, and I have to be honest, uh, like Noah Juleson continues to impress me. Like yeah, he's he's, he's punching he's punching way above his uh, his weight for me. But I believe in my heart of hearts that in order for a team to go on a deep playoff run, um, you need seven, sometimes eight D guys, and um, let's call it seven as a number. And so right now. I still look at that as a, a potential area that we could pay some attention to. And, you know, in an ideal world, you know, I'd like to be shopping in the Nick Sealer type of waters, but I believe that Philly's going to uh, keep him or at least extend him. So that then you get into like the Sean Walkers of the world, um, you know, who's making, I think, 2-2, something like that, right shot D. Um, for me personally, I'd like to add another D. I don't know, I don't know what that body looks like, if it's going to be a two-way transitional or a shutdown type of guy. Um, watching Juleson last night, I like that he's moving the puck. I like that he's, you know, doing some things that um, are calm under pressure. So uh, I think that something Juleson plus would be good. It would it would make me feel a little bit more secure. Um, in terms of up front, I mean, I'd still like to see something, you know, in in the depth pool there. Like I love um, like Dakota Joshua. Holy jumping! Like this is a this is a perfect example of a character. This is a, an athlete that was challenged early in the year by the coach that, you know, for fitness or whatever it was. And, and he's really responded. And I think another type of character guy at the bottom, no disrespect to the Nils Amon, but on the, or the De Giuseppe's, but on the fringes at the bottom of our lineup, I, I'd still like to go shopping for something down there that, that might be able to, uh, you know, uh, further secure us. Now, my biggest wish, if we could ever pull it off, <laughs> is, is that Adam Henrique type of a deal, to be mm. honest with you. Like, that is my biggest wish. Like, so, you know, you got Lynn Noam, you bring in Henrique. Um, like, look at the improvement on their penalty kill, um, you know, this year over last year. I mean, last year and the year before, those are historically horrendous numbers. We get that, right? But, um, you know, another layer, a veteran layer like that, if you could somehow fit it in where a guy can play center wing and play in all situations – and be relied upon. He could play in the three. He could play in the one. Like, you know what I mean? He could be all over the place. Um, instead of Holander, which is a nice story being up top right now for a short period of time anyways. Um, instead of that, I guess I guess that would be my, my biggest uh, wish if we could pull that off somehow. 
You mentioned uh, Noah Juleson, and you know he's been really impressive. The coaching staff and Rick Tockett has talked about how impressed he's been with Noah Juleson's development from be- the beginning of the season. It has been interesting, though. You know, when they went out and traded for Nikita Zadorov, he came in and was playing big minutes right away. Now, I, obviously, he's been suspended the last couple of games, but even before that, he'd seen his minutes trending downwards. Have you seen anything in Zadorov's game that? would lead to a minutes reduction from him. What do you think's going on there that has seen his usage drop since he, uh, since he was acquired? I just think it's his MO. I, I don't have a long winded answer for it. I think that this is historically the way that, uh, that, that he's been um, utilized. Um, there's going to be some ebbs and flows with his game at times and his puck management is going to range. Um, but make no mistake. I'm not, uh, and nobody should be concerned about his minutes falling off just even a little bit right now, because what we have this guy for is playoffs and we're going to, we're going to use him in heavy scenarios in the playoffs and, um, and rely on him in a, in a certain type of category. So, um, you know, I'm not, I, I hear you. This is historically the way it's been though, guys, every stop of his career. And that's why he's had so many stops. Right. Like he's never been able, he's never been able to point out to be, super elite in one category for an extended period of time, like a 20, 25 game segment. There's kind of some ups and downs in there. Um, So it's pretty much what I expect it to be. And that's why, again, you know, I start to to think about that security blanket on the back end, you know, like, because let's say that he starts to struggle with the puck. So his, uh, you know, his physical element doesn't mean a hill of beans. If you, if you struggle with the puck and stuff in playoffs. So if that's, if that's the case, then you have to have a guy next up uh, or maybe in the lineup already to protect a guy like, uh, like Z um, time will tell, but I'm not surprised by this. And I don't think anybody should be really. Another Canucks player who's had some struggles, especially over the past 15 games, 20 games or so, is Ilya Mikheyev. Um, He was finishing maybe above his level for his first 60-plus games in Vancouver Colors, but it it feels like that's worn out of late, uh, coming into some criticism from the fan base as well. What what are you seeing from him? Is this just a matter of putting the ACL behind him? Can we expect more going forward, if not this season, than over the remaining two years of his deal? Good question. You know, let's hope first of all that the ACL is well behind him because I don't, I don't have any issues with his pace or, or anything. Like it doesn't look like uh, to the naked eye like there's any issues that way. But you know, I, I hate to sound redundant, but this is a player as well. Like if you think back to his Toronto Maple Leaf days, for example, this is a player who would catch lightning in a bottle for streaks, right, guys? And then he would kind of, you know, go cold for, for long streaks as well. Um, the good thing with Mihaev for me personally is that if we're going to criticize him for not scoring, um, I do feel like he plays with the pace and the detail that hopefully uh, as the games continue to get harder and harder, he'll be able to, uh, you know, find a role in a checking or a penalty kill type scenario because he's got the hockey sense to do that. But there's absolutely no question. If you look over his last segment of games, and I mean, I did it yesterday. I was just, it's interesting guys bring up a name because I was looking at another Russian that's a free agent overseas. I'll, I'll bring it up to you guys if you want in a second. But um, over his last 20 games or so, I don't know that he scored a goal. Like, I, I, I think that if I'm, if I'm mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Mejia has scored a goal in his last 20 games. Am I wrong on that? I think he's only got like two or three assists. So it's, it's definitely um, been a while. Um, yeah, <laughs> give us a second. So, we'll back check it. No, I, I just, I just looked it up just now. So yes, I'm going last back. Goal to my was 20 games. December seventeenth. Yeah, yeah, like that's 
So absolutely open for criticism there, and I get it. But here's the thing, like, I'm not going to get into the future. Like, so right now at this time of year, I'm more concerned on the now and in the March, April, May, and June. I'm not even concerned about next October. Like, I'm not there. So what I need out of this guy is if he's not going to score, and clearly he's slumping a great deal, um, and he played, you know, like in, in Detroit, he only had nine minutes of ice time that night. Generally speaking, though, he's around 14 and a half. Um, at least he can kill penalties, guys. And um, so when you talk about the Kessel that type of scenario, too, like that's that's an upgrade, isn't it, on 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 Mihaev right now on the power play unit, for example, because yep. donuts across the board. And, and you know, uh, you know, last night uh, he was uh, out on the ice, I believe. Yeah, over three minutes of power play time last night. That's not good enough for the results. Uh, no doubt about it on that one. Um, we're talking to Jason Buchle here from Sportsnet's NHL coverage, former NHL scout here on Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650. Uh, I did want to ask you about uh, a Canucks prospect as well, Jason. I know it was the Beanpot uh, recently, and of course Tom Volander, as, as well as Aiden Celebrini playing at Boston University, as well as Macklin Celebrini, uh, but a <laughs> chance for some big games and some extra eyes on Tom Volander. How would you assess his season at Boston University so far? Really good. Yeah, really solid. Uh, 26 games, uh, 15 points, you know, 15 apples or no, 12 apples in there, three goals, I think it is. But he's a plus 18 fellas. And, um, you know, he's what happened last year with Willander in his draft cycle was at the beginning of the year, it was all about Sandine Pelica, you know, with Sandine Pelica, Sandy Pelica. And so the, the first five nations tournament in Plymouth in uh, November, you know, people were like, who is this guy? You know, they knew who he was, but really they're like, who is this guy? And he started to, you know, ramp up his game. And then of course it just kept trending and trending and trending right at the end of the year. I'm seeing that again out of him. So um, I thought that his uh, world juniors was uh, uh, averaged by the standard that he's been setting overall. But right now, uh, wow, he just, it continues to trend up for me. Uh, more special teams, uh, secondary power play, sometimes first unit power play, but all key situations for Jay Pondolfo there at BU. And uh, BU went through a little bit of a hiccup uh, in the recent last couple of weeks, but he was not part of that problem. He's he's playing exactly to his strengths and a little more weight, a little bit more strength, a little bit more time. Um, he needs another year uh, at, at the college level. That's my that's my vote right now, um, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, Canucks agree with you that you know uh, he'd benefit from another year, another World Juniors. Uh, Patrick Al- sure. Patrick Alvin saying so on the record uh, in an article we ran at the Athletic today. Um, it's interesting. I saw him on Friday. I went to uh, Aganis Arena on Friday in Boston, Books, and you know the tools, the speed, the feet, the defensive reads. I mean, you can see that. I find it interesting, given the way that he skates, how rarely he's up in the play. It it feels yeah. like there's a, a bit of a project. Like, I, I'd put him as sort of a project in terms of being an all-around defenseman as opposed to a defensive guy with really good tools, which is, which is how he's played NCAA this season. How do you view it? Is it a concern? Is it just a good template or, or like a good base on which to build? I think it's an opportunity. So I'm not, it's not even a, so you are absolutely right. So the way that we describe that in, in my circles is like, is he a two way D or is he a two way transitional D? And the, the fact of the matter is right now he's playing more like a two way D. Okay. Like he, he launches the attack, but he's not a guy that's, that's hitting it on his own or joining as often as he could. 
Now, this is what to keep an eye on, though, guys. So let's circle back at this as BU gets to the tournament. By the time he arrived last year at the World Championships in Switzerland at the end of the year with Sweden, he did everything that you just described, your answer. So, um, you know, he was he was more active in the rush. He was leading it more often. He was getting more pucks to the net uh, on his own because he had zone entries off the rush, for example. So um, it's in there. Curious to know if it's a coaching strategy. I believe that it's part of the skill set that can be nurtured. So I'm going to call it an area of opportunity. Is it? How hard is it uh, to kind of know when a prospect like that is ready, when when offense isn't their calling card, right? Because some guys, you look at it and you just see what they're doing at the NCAA level, and it's like, okay, they're too good for that level. They're ready to go pro. When it's it, when his game is a little bit maybe more nuanced, more subtle, does it make the evaluation process uh, a little bit trickier as well? Yeah, I think that, you know, you go by what you absolutely know. So his, his baseline. So you look at his floor. So if you assume that his floor – with those feet and his hockey sense and his ability to kill plays and, of course, launch the attack just with a pure outlet out of the zone, for example. Uh, penalty kill, second unit power play. He's doing all those things you know, right now. So you already know what his floor is, so you feel great about his floor because that already projects to be an NHL top four defenseman, especially because he's a right shot. That's how I feel today. Could he be more like a two and a half or a three down the road? This guy's not going to be a one. I'm not even sure he's going to be a two, but he's going to be like a sometimes two, if that makes sense. So um, it's going to depend on that extra offense that he might be able to bring. But right now, I feel great about the floor. I think there's an opportunity to find a a higher ceiling, and I'm just going to kind of let that play out. The second year in college, Mm. bigger, stronger, seen all all the ranks, second world junior phase, all that kind of stuff. I think we're going to see him, like if he scores 20 points this year, guys, pretty good freshman year. If he goes to 30 next year, I think we have the same conversation and we're pretty, we're feeling better about some of these areas of his game. Yeah. I think the, so let me, let me throw a comp to you and, and I like to use comps. I don't like, I like to use comps in terms of how a player produces at the same age um in the same league as guys who made it guys who didn't you know like I like to sort of view it as a range as opposed to like he reminds me of this guy stylistically or anything like this like this is this is sort of a thing that I've been thinking of uh turning over in my head and Jamie and I discussed it on the show yesterday as like a floor comp for Volander should the offensive leap not come what do you think of this new NHL Ian Cole yeah, so that's interesting. Um, I'd have to digest it further. My first thing, because I, I've seen Cole right out of Notre like I scouted him at Notre Dame right. at the college level. So like I'm, I'm sitting here thinking back to Notre Dame. Yeah, 20 points that first year. 20 points that first year, which, by the way, at Notre Dame is like 50 points. <laughs> they, they, like, they, they play one of the most, the, the same, arguably the safest game in, in all of college hockey. It's just the way that the Jeff Jackson's teams play. That's just the way it is. So, Leading scorer um, Eric Condra on that team. <laughs> there, there you go. Like I mean, <laughs> like, I could go back. I got I could go back into the war chest here and pull some names. And be like, wow, really? Um, it's a great program, so I don't want to discount it. I think that on balance, that's a good one. I mean, you know, worst case scenario, if he turns out to be an Ian Cole type. Uh, but I do believe he skates better and has better uh, escapability in small areas than Cole, even at the same age. Um, so uh, that's where he bleeds better into the new game. Um, 
But, hey, worst-case scenario, if he manages a game and does some of the things that Cole does, yeah, possibly. I mean, that's that's a good one. You know, I I, I think back to guys like, um, like, is he any better? You know this guy. Like, we watched Mackenzie Wieger develop in the American League and then become a pro. Like, honestly, does Wiegs have any much any more talent than this guy does offensively? He shoots it more. But does he have any more talent? I would say no. So, I mean, you know, that's that's like a ceiling type of a guy for me too. Mm. Um, different energy. Well, you different know, like, energy and, and like different Uyghur's, bite. Like, yeah, Uyghur we, could be a hard, you know what? Yeah. So, and and Uyghur, Uyghur processes the game fast. Like he's a really instinctive, high energy guy. Especially by the time he arrived in the NHL and was like percolating as a third pair guy. Um, Volander's a little more deliberate. Like the way they the way they move about the ice. It feels different to me. That's the main distinction that I'd make. Oh, they move differently. Yeah. But <laughs> what, what, like they, well, Lander's a way better skater than Weeks. Weeks oh, is yeah. deceptive, but mm-hmm. he's way better skater than Weeks yes. ever was at the same time. But well, Lander will be a better pro earlier in his career mm-hmm. than Weeger was because his, his Weeks is like a quick, uh, he's like a quick fix where Willander he processes everything. Like he's got great spatial awareness. He's not going to, you know, hit the hole at the wrong time because it's not, he's not programmed that way where, where weeks, it took him some time. He'd have some egregious giveaways in the middle of the ice early in his career that, you know, because he's trying to do too much, but uh, I'm sorry I brought it up because we could debate this one for a while, but I was thinking right <laughs> shot, you know, ceiling, yeah, yeah I like, like it. That, you know? Well, and, and Uyghur affects the game so much in transition uh, as well. Okay. Who is the, who's the Russian forward that you were, you were scouting? Well, so as Drancer knows, I got some uh, pretty good people in Russia from the past that we work with that we can't, uh, of course, reveal them because those are our sources. But uh, <laughs> um, this Maxim uh, Siplikov, have you guys been following it at all? He's like the next uh, guy coming out the of next, Russia. The next Andre Kuzmenko. Yeah, yeah. And I've I've broken this down, and I'm going to go on record for the first time on – I haven't written about it. I haven't talked in Toronto media about this yet, but – um, I'm really buyer beware on this guy compared to Kuzmenko. Kuzmenko had way more history um, producing offense. This guy scored 32 goals in the last six years, and this year he's got 31. My goodness. So, I mean, 31 and 16, you know, which is a great win-loss record in the NHL for apples to goals, but uh, 26 years old, one-year deal, 925. I hear there's up to 12 teams involved in this year, but – Assistant captain at Spartak, and uh, um, keep an eye on that name. I, I think that there's an opportunity for sure for him to get a deal, but um, um, I'll follow up with you guys later on. This is a guy, this is one of those situations, and we've talked about Russia's last couple of years. This here feels uh, not, I, I'm not getting the warm and fuzzies about this one, guys. Mm. Offensive guy out of one year, uh, more one dimensional, and uh, wearing an A at Moscow. And, and that always concerns me because, you know, they're going to throw a hell of money at him mm. to keep him there. I'm still waiting on someone to give Maxim Mammon another shot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> listen. Hey, listen. Maxim Mammon. He's would a look monster. Great and, and he would look great in the four hole for the Vancouver oh, Canucks. That, no kidding. That, that guy, he's a, he's a man child early in his life. He's still built like a freight train. Skates so like, you know, he'll fight. He'll do whatever. Not much offense, but... Uh, yeah, nothing but, in the final third, but he'll get there. Like, I mean, uh, my dream is my dream is him and Pod Colson on, like, a Russian Bash Brothers fourth line. Like, that's <laughs> that's what I want to see, Books. Well, we got bigger fish to fry between <laughs> now and June in Vancouver. Yeah. Let's, uh, 
Let's try and stay on yeah. point and, uh, right. and uh, work towards a Stanley Cup here. We'll get, table it. Get Maxi Mammon uh, signed up with Dan Milstein. We'll get him over. We'll get him over right away then to join the Canucks organization after that. Uh, Books, this was great. As always, man, appreciate it. We'll check in next week. Awesome, fellas. Enjoy the rest of your week. Look forward to next week. Thank you. That is Jason Vukula from Sportsnet. Uh, and, of course, a former NHL scout, as he mentioned. Remembers back in the day scouting Ian Cole uh, at Notre Dame. I like that um, not in terms of necessarily their physical profiles or how they're going to get there, but the Ian Cole to Mackenzie Weger spread of uh, of possibilities for Tom Volander. I think, I think those are two interesting ones to chew on yeah. for Volander. Yeah, uh, for sure. For sure. And if you get Mackenzie Weger or that caliber of contributor out of that spot, I mean, that's huge. That's massive. Yeah. My guy, Mackenzie Weger. <laughs> Leading NHL defenseman in goals this year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. We will take a break here. Final segment of the show coming up. Uh, we'll do the whiteboard to wrap things up as we do on a Wednesday because of the crossover earlier on. In the show, keep your text coming into 650-650. Our fantastic sponsor, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar or Dun oh, what am I doing now? Now I'm screwing it up. You got in my head, Dom. This is your fault, Dom. <laughs> in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. There we go. I got through it. Final segment coming up here on Sportsnet 650.